Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to remember how to do this real quick. Um, yeah. Do you, want me to, do you want me to sing the Star Wars theme? or That would be fantastic, actually. It's not happening. It's not happening? <laughs> well, why'd you offer that? It's our roll. That's fair. Fair enough. Everybody. Welcome back to the Star Wars Historians. Uh, this is our continuation of the rewatch series from back when we were on all on the same podcast together. And uh, today we'll be watching The Last Jedi. Uh, I, of course, am your Star Wars historian, Luke, and this is my good pal, David Gonzalez. What's going on, everyone? And we're joined by a guest um, for the first time ever, a fellow podcaster. Um, Dr. <laughs> Matthew Yates Emerson. The third. The th- I didn't know that. You were the third? I'm not actually the third. Oh, no, okay. I'm the, I'm the OG. <laughs> the, yeah. the first. I'm the OG. That's yeah. Right. He's the yeah. first of three, actually. Right. Except because <laughs> yes. I don't have any That's songs. how it works. Yeah. Not yeah. yet. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on. This was a a long time coming uh for us i remember when luke we were trying to find guests for all these episodes uh and luke was like you know we should just go out on a limb and see if dr emerson would do this with us uh and i said okay go ahead let's go ahead and try it and you said yes and i was like oh this is gonna be awesome this is gonna yeah. be great <laughs> and so we've been looking forward to it for a while and uh really interested to hear some of some of your thoughts on Last Jedi. Um, I remember whenever it first came out, you being one of the the few but proud defenders of it, and so wanted well, to hear. I don't know about that. I actually hated it. I actually hated it at first. Well, but okay, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so so normally on a podcast, you don't try to just undercut the other person. I don't know. That's how not do true. It. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do it on Center for Baptist Renewal. Do you but... remember? Do you remember being in class with me, Luke? That's all yeah? I do. That's all, <laughs> That's I all do. you do is undercut. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. do remember though. Whenever it was about to come out, mm. I remember when the first trailer dropped. It was in at eight a.m. Like on a, I think it was on a Tuesday, and you just kind of like just come in strolling in don't really say a word to us open up your laptop go to youtube and be like last jedi trailer and we all watched it in class and so that was like my first my first experience i guess with the last jedi which because it came out while we were in college and so that was a very unique experience for me for the last jedi being in there and and witness being able to be a part of it with a bunch of my friends also because we went and we saw the midnight premiere like there was like about how many like 12 of us that were all together watching this movie for the first time thanks Uh, for the invite (laughs) well (laughs) i do (laughs) you came with us uh inadvertently to watch some marvel movie i don't remember yeah it was black panther but you yeah black panther you and dr bandy showed up and we were like oh what's up (laughs) 
But again, no, we weren't invited. We just happened to be there at the same <laughs> That's time. That's right. Well, you just kind of have well, a stand that you invite. So <laughs> I was never communicated with that information. <laughs> but but well, Dr. Emerson, can you share with us uh, just your experience with Star Wars uh, and then also like that first impression you had with The Last Jedi? Yeah, give us some ethos. With Star Wars in general? Well, yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, I grew up watching the original trilogy. You, you know, I, I'm not sure I ever I sat down and watched the whole thing of any one of them. It was like my dad would be watching it on TNT or something and I'd, mm-hmm. I'd watch it on cable. Uh, I'm, I'm sure at some point, you know, we watched each of them all the way through, but it was just kind of always around. I wasn't a huge, uh, I wasn't a huge star Wars. I don't know. I mean, I liked it a lot, but I, I didn't have all the toys and whatever. Right. Stuff when I was growing up. And then the the sequels came out when I was, I think the, let's see, was episode one, was that 2001? Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. So I was a junior in high school when episode one came out and man, did not enjoy <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the, the other sequels, especially episode two, were just terrible. And... So I kind of cooled off on the Star Wars love. Uh, but then, you know, when Disney bought it and they're talking about, oh, we're going to do this and that, these series and these movies, I, I got excited about it again. Because it's a, even if, even if the sequels weren't executed well, um, it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I'm, I'm big into nerd stuff. So anything that's nerdy that's coming out, I'm okay with. So I was excited about the the oh I kept saying sequels when I meant prequels sorry right so prequels now so when the sequels came out I was excited and it was ex- you know the other thing was my oldest kid at the time was uh, six or seven I think so she mm-hmm. we had just watched some of the original ones um, so I was excited to kind of introduce her to that when the when the sequels came out so I'm not a, I'm not like a Star Wars aficionado but I do enjoy it. Put it that way. Yeah. And that was one question that I had was knowing you have um, several daughters. <laughs> Three, right? Uh, try five. Five. Oh, so actually several. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was curious how they, if, uh, if they were really big into the sequels. Yeah. My oldest daughter loves, loves all the Star Wars movies and she loves the sequels. The second oldest uh, the the oldest also loves to watch Marvel stuff with me too and right. Harry, Harry Potter, so I'm just a heretic all the way around. But anyway, yeah, I was uh, about to say a Baptist who watches <laughs> Harry Potter, right? So, but um, the second oldest, she kind of, <laughs> my wife doesn't really like Star Wars or mm-hmm. Lord, of the, Lord of the Rings. She mm, loves Harry same. Potter, but she doesn't like any of the rest of it. So, my second oldest kind of gravitates that direction, okay. and then the other ones are just kind of too young still. Yeah, that's so. fair. Yeah, but but the, our oldest has a Star Wars blanket, and she dressed up as Ray for Halloween one year. And that's awesome. Yeah, she loves it. That is that is really cool. So, what was your most recent impression of the Last Jedi? I know you said when you first saw it, you weren't a huge fan of it, but how has that changed? I guess from rewatching it now. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I really like I watched it the first time and I was like, there were a couple scenes that were really cool, but I don't mm. know how I feel about that. And then I went and watched it again and I hated it even more. And I was like, I'm never watching this movie again. And uh, and then my my oldest daughter wanted to watch it. And so I sat down and watched it. And I think I had seen somebody, and I, I can't remember who at this point, but I had seen somebody say something about this movie is about how to view history. Mm. And that kind of that, that kind of set off like maybe there's something to this, you know, whatever, but I still hated it. And so I watched it with my oldest for the third time, and I watched it with that in mind. And then I started, and I watched, I tried to watch it carefully, and I started to notice things like the fact that literally everybody in the entire movie is lying the entire time. Yeah. And that got me thinking about, okay, if I watched it this way, instead of watching it the way that I went into the theater watching it, how would that change how I look at this movie? And so I watched it again after that. <laughs> And man, I, I think it's the best of the sequels and I think it's up there in terms of the best of the whole series. So that's how I feel about it now that I think it's, it's definitely the best sequel, potentially top three in right. terms of the whole thing. I'm reticent mm. to put anything above the original trilogy, but Return of the Jedi is, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, I think it lands I think Return of the Jedi it, it lands the ship pretty well. Right. But yeah, it's not going to be your Empire Strikes Back or Right. Yeah. Um but I I do appreciate that point about the last Jedi and that's actually kind of one of the reasons why I first like had it in my head that you would be good to talk to about um or talk about the last Jedi with was because um, you alone, kind of out of all the people that I had seen, were um, kind of agreed with a point that I had come to that uh, whenever Kylo is talking to Rey and tells her that she's a nobody, right. everybody just assumes that he's telling her the truth. But right. there's like absolutely no reason to think that that is the case. Like Kylo doesn't know. Why yep. would he know? Yeah, but... exactly. That's exactly right. So, you know... <clears throat> I don't remember. You guys sent me a list of questions and I already forgot what they were, but um, uh, you can just stop me if you don't want me to say some of this. So I wrote a, I wrote a post, a blog post a long time ago about, and it's just called the last Jedi is good. And that's, that's what it's called. And yeah, the post starts off with this. This is for all the haters. Specifically, it's all for all for all of you who hate the Last Jedi. And then I have a GIF, which that's the correct pronunciation of nope. uh, <laughs> of, of Emperor Palpatine at the end of Return of the Jedi, saying, "Let the hate flow through you." So, um, yeah. so here are the things that I I objected to watching it the first couple of times, and I think that mm -hmm. I think these are the main things that people will talk about when we talk about the Last Jedi. They talk about um, Vice Admiral Holdo. And yeah. um, so, you know, I mean, from something superficial, like it just felt kitschy to um, the the movie's supposed feminist streak, which is that the men in the movie are all stupid and need to be rescued by women. Um, 
And then the Holdo maneuver, especially like the Star Wars nerds went crazy mm-hmm. in a bad way, right? <laughs> up, up in yeah. a negative reaction yeah. way about that that maneuver, right? So that's that's one piece. That's one objection. Another objection is Leia Poppins, where Leia floats in the air. <laughs> um, then yeah. there's the the whole the whole casino sequence. Uh, so what's the mm-hmm. point of it? It, it ru- ruins the pacing of the movie. It's again kind of with the Admiral Holdo point. It's it's leftist propaganda against American warmongering, this sort of thing. Mm. Um, and then you know the biggest objection I think is about Luke. Um, so yeah. Everybody thought that Last Jedi was sort of just, I don't want to use this metaphor, but I can't think of another good way to say it, but giving the finger to the rest of Star right. Wars. Yeah, no, no, that's I, a great way to put that's, it. That's, that's exactly how people view right. Last Jedi. So Luke throwing his lightsaber, Yoda's dialogue with Luke before calling down the lightning to burn the Jedi Temple, mm-hmm. Ray being mm-hmm. no one, Snake uh, snake, <laughs> Snoke. <laughs> Snoke. Sorry, talking about Harry Potter. Is. Yeah, Snoke dying without revealing who he is, um, and then of yeah. course Ben's mantra to Ray about the past: "Let the past die, kill it if you have to." Right. Um, mm-hmm. They they seem to you know people seem to think that this is nothing more than just writing off the rest of Star Wars, and that right yeah <laughs> you know Ryan Johnson just wanted to make his own movie and didn't care about fans and this sort of thing. So um, that's how I felt when I came out of the movie theater, especially the second time watching it. I mean, the first time I was like, I, I just went in and I wanted to know who Snoke was and I wanted mm-hmm. to know who Ray was, right? And the movie doesn't answer either of those questions. No. Nope. And I was disappointed about that. But then I went back and watched it the second time and those other objections, you know, Luke being bitter, Holdo's kind of treatment of Poe, these sorts of things, all that really irritated me even more watching it the second time. <laughs> yeah. And so I watched it the third time with my daughter. And like I said, that theme of deceit, as mm-hmm. I started to notice that towards the beginning, um, it helped me because I realized this, this entire movie, you have to pay attention, first of all, mm-hmm. to, to actually understand mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah. But but second of all, the things like who's Snoke and who's Ray, not only were they unanswered, but the answers that were given about them were probably lies. Right. And so that that goes back to the whole, um, that goes back to the whole who's Ray and and what Kylo Ren says and this sort of thing. So anyway, I mean, we can talk more about my my kind of turnaround and why and the themes and all those sorts of things. But, um, just to, just to give a list and then we can dig in on any of them. Um, lying or deceit is a theme. The past is a big theme. And this is one of the reasons why I love the last Jedi so much is because I think it's actually a, a, in part a commentary on our cultural moment and the different reactions to the past from boomers on the one hand and millennials on the other hand, and I think Ray is like a paragon of how we should treat it. Failure is a big theme. Um, surprise is a big theme. Love is a big theme. And balance, of course, because Star Wars is a big theme. So right. um, anyway, that's that's a little bit about how I turned around on this movie. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. Yeah, I, I guess I'll go ahead and 
I, I want to start, I guess I'll start talking about what I guess I struggled with even in this rewatch of the last Jedi only because like whenever I first saw it in theaters, I, I remember like the group of our friends being there and kind of watching it together. And I actually had Spencer, he was on my right. And when Yoda first showed up on screen right there, we both had like a geek out moment, like just freaking out in the theater. And that scene was probably, I think still is my favorite scene in the last Jedi. I just think it's just so powerful. You know, failure is the greatest teacher. I think that's a brilliant line by Yoda, but in this rewatch, some of the things that I've really struggled with is, I guess I still do struggle with Canto bite and not necessarily that there's, that there's anything wrong with it per se. It just doesn't compared to the storyline with Ray Luke and Kylo It's just anytime we go away from that storyline, I just kind of get taken out of it. Uh, and I don't, I really don't know. Um, how else to say that, but it's not like a huge deal for me. Like I really don't, I guess I really don't care. Um, I'll go ahead and admit that I think I did have a problem with how Ryan Johnson decided to cut this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that he chose to focus on and think that he was important and Luke kind of already knows where I'm going with this, but there were like two deleted scenes that I felt like should have been in the movie. And the fact that pacing was listed as the reason why the things that he chose to put instead of these scenes i just was not a huge fan of so the two that i'm thinking about is one luke has his moment so he mourns the death of han solo his his friend and i felt like that would have even for those star wars fans who have this idea that luke skywalker should be this character the last jedi completely just goes the opposite direction and says nope we're not going to do that and but i feel like luking lukey luke having his moment is i think i thought was extremely essential that could have probably brought those two camps of thought into the same place and been like okay this is a really good scene and a beautiful moment regardless of whether he is the Luke Skywalker that we think he should be or the Luke Skywalker that we actually got. This scene would have brought those two camps together, I think, in that moment. Also, Luke Skywalker says he's giving Rey three lessons and we only see two. The third one is the caretaker village scene, which ends with an extremely powerful moment to where Rey Skywalker... or. Not Ray Skywalker. Gosh, what am I talking about? This well, is not yes, the last. No. This is not the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but no. But Ray basically said that I believed in the legend of Luke Skywalker that you hate so much. I believed in it. I was wrong. Walked off, and that scene's supposed to connect to where Luke reconnects with the Force and has that kind of connection scene with Leia. And I thought all of that would have played really, really well together. And so I just really struggled with how Ryan Johnson cut this movie. However, I'm not going to be the ones to say that he doesn't care about Star Wars fans. No. Not, I just don't necessarily agree with how he cut the movie. Um, but I also had a problem with Finn's character development. Uh, I thought that in The Force Awakens, he, his story is fleeing. He's leaving. And then we start The Last Jedi and it's just like he has not learned his lesson at all. He's running again. And I just, I guess I wanted a little bit something more for him. 
And I think it kind of fits with John Boyega's comments that he made about his role in Star Wars and kind of gives validity to it. But those are really the only issues I guess I have is just how it was cut. Canto Bite wasn't necessarily my favorite and Finn's character development just wasn't great to me. But I think there's just so many other great things about The Last Jedi that kind of... It, it, to me, it kind of puts it up there for me right. in terms of Star Wars films. Yeah. I just thought it was real, and visually, it's beautiful. Oh yes, right, fantastic. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, I you know, I'm not a film critic, so right. Maybe maybe, maybe <laughs> no, there is maybe there is something about the way he cut the movie, and I can understand what you're saying about that. Um, so the the thing I would say about Finn is that the entire movie is, is pushing us down into a pit <laughs> almost <laughs> um, yeah. where, so everybody, so the, everybody's failing. Um, and yes, the Canto bite scene is a part of that, right? Mm-hmm. The, um, mm-hmm. That every, every attempt to thwart the first order fails miserably. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that, that's a part of that Canto bite scene that this this last ditch effort to save the rebels from the first order is mm-hmm. it, it fails as well. Um, that connects to another theme, uh, which is and, and this relates to the strong women, weak men thing. It's not that the men in the film are weak, at least in my opinion, it's that they all take the entire movie and until the very end to develop uh, in, or to grow. Mm-hmm. So the same thing is true of Poe. Poe is doing the same, Poe's doing the same kind of gung ho. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to shoot before I think kind of right. stuff, the whole movie. And it takes until the very end to realize that other people can have wisdom and speak into his life and he can wait and, and yeah. be patient, you know? Um, and with Finn, it's the same way, right? Of course. I mean, no, he hasn't learned his lesson, but that's not a surprise really because nobody has until right. the very end of the mm-hmm. film. Um, the only one who's trying to learn is Ray and yeah, <laughs> the person she's trying to learn from won't teach her, right. you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think that, and I mean, we could walk through the other characters and, and I think show that, that theme as well. But to me, that's not surprising. Now you might, I mean, people could say like, I guess you could say like, man, I wish Luke had been on this island, not because he was running from anything, but because he was working on his, you know, Jedi superpowers that we've never seen before. And he's going to, you know, whatever. I mean, you could say that, right? but that's, I mean, that's not, I know this is going to sound goofy and sorry for the police sirens that you may be hearing. Um, (laughs) That's not real life. No, you know, it's, it's not real life for a hero to, achieve the you know the climactic moment of his journey at what is what is luke and return of the jedi 20 maybe and yeah, in in his 20s yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. um it, you know that, that's not how life works and yeah. people fail and luke fails in the original trilogy in, in a number of ways i mean he works out in the end and he's a hero and everything else but people continue to fail throughout the rest of their lives and they fail as leaders so you know, I guess you could critique 
Ryan Johnson or Disney or Kathleen Kennedy or whoever and say, I wish we had a different movie. Which but, people will. Which, and people, have. which people will, <laughs> but we say. don't. You know, Ryan uh, Johnson chose yeah. to make a movie that's reflecting on a number of different things, most of which I already mentioned, which are, are transcendent beyond the Star Wars universe. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd like to say I really appreciate you bringing out that point because <clears throat> I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, um, somebody once in a different conversation put it really well that the tendency whenever you grow older isn't to really age with grace. Normally, most people, whenever they get older, they get grumpy or bitter or different things about that without like a higher calling or a higher something to cling to. And so it, it shouldn't be a surprise to us that Luke is the way that he is, especially after what he has experienced. Right. Well, and I, th- I think it's also a dangerous thing whenever whenever it's been a long time since we've seen Luke Skywalker on screen and you've had all this other content from the EU come out about this Luke Skywalker who's a Jedi Grandmaster who can do all these crazy, crazy things and he is put in even in those, in those content materials as this pillar of optimism and of grace and all this kinds of stuff then to basically come in and put this Luke Skywalker version in the last Jedi to where I've, I've heard this comment every single time we talk about the last Jedi, this is not my Luke Skywalker. This is not the Luke Skywalker that we deserve to see and that we, we should have gotten almost like in a sense of entitlement to yeah but i mean it's been it's been like what 20 years between return of the jedi and force awakens i don't remember yeah what they, so 30, it's like 30 no it's, it can't be 30 right it's so, it's it's like 34 years okay so 34 years since <clears throat> there's return. a lot of <laughs> i i don't think that disney is done with luke skywalker i'll just put it that way I don't, you know, no, I agree. I, I doubt the plan was for this to be the last time we saw Luke Skywalker on screen. It probably is the last time we'll see Mark Hamill on screen as mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker, but I doubt it's the mm-hmm. last time we'll see Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars, uh, you know, productions right. that Disney puts mm-hmm. out. So, Have you seen I mean, him? we already saw him. I mean, oh, spo- yeah. spoiler sure. alert, right? Yeah, spo- Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. Um, we already Have saw you seen, him. Have you seen like the uh, the fan? like splicing together Sebastian Stan, a uh, winter soldier and uh, a young Mark Hamill. No, it's, it's very similar. It's oh, nice. Nice. That's but. cool. Is he, have they signed him on to play Luke Skywalker? No, it's I don't been think rumored. So. It's, for, it's been rumored for it's literally the last casting. 10 years. Yeah. Okay. I thought they had already cast somebody. Maybe I wish they did. Anyway, I don't think so. The point is I just, you know, I think those objections are objections that arise not from watching the movie for what it is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but from watching the movie f- from the perspective of what they wish the movie was. And I, right. you know, yeah. I just, I don't think that's the way that we ought to go about it. That's not the way that storytelling goes either. Like right. that's not, um, that's not the purpose. Here, you tell it. me a story the way that I want you to tell it. Yeah, right? exactly. And then That's I'll right. go to bed. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, movies, movies, TV shows, et cetera, are not fan fiction. No. Mm. Mm. That's so I, true. I love that. So true. Um, one thing that I wanted to say about Canto Bite, I guess, while I st- it's still in my head, um, doc- uh, you, Dr. Emerson, Matt, I don't know, <laughs> still don't know how to refer to you. <laughs> you. <laughs> um, uh, you mentioned how this movie is really just like, a, a deep dive into a dark pit, um, not unlike the dark pit that Ray goes into on uh, Octo. Mm. But um, one thing that I thought of that that is a great example, and one thing that I really like that this movie did do, is uh, the juxtaposition of Cantabite as a place of scum and villainy, but it's not a place of scum and villainy like uh, the Moss Eisley is in episode four. Right. It's it's a place of opulent criminal. It's a place of uh, opulent villainy. Right. And it's um something that I really appreciated as like this isn't the way that things should be. Like this is people are profiting off of something horrible. Um yeah. Mhm. That's right. And, Absolutely. And, yeah, you know, that's not, people think that it's just sort of a, I don't know, poke in the eye to the same people who are paying <laughs> Ryan Johnson's salary. Um, uh, yeah. But if you can't, you know, if you can't can't hear critiques that hit closer to home than others, then you're not a, yeah. seri- you're not a serious person. Right. <laughs> no, no, I agree. And I, th- I think I, that's one of the things I did appreciate about Canto Bite. It was a conversation that was, that Rose and Finn had when they were looking down at the track and kind of like, what do people make money off of? War. Yeah. Uh, and that conversation even continues with DJ and Finn when he talks about at least you're, you know, taking from the bad and helping the good. They right. look at, who this person was that owned the ship. Oh, he's selling weapons to the first order and the resistance. So you got hands on both sides. And so I think even Finn has that kind of moment to where, again, he's tempted with the idea of not, he says, don't join. Right. Like, don't be a part of this. Yep. Yep. That's right. And again, that's a part of his development. He's sort of, yeah, the, the the confrontation that he has at the, at that last moment with Benicio del Toro and I can't yeah. remember the character's name, but DJ, um, that confrontation is like to use a nerd word, the nadir, the the bottommost point yeah. of Finn's, mm-hmm. and he you know he even falls in he literally falls into a pit after that, right? Mm-hmm. Am, yeah. I, am I remembering this correctly? <laughs> yeah, no, you're he right. He falls yes, into this yeah. fire, like with that's the asthma. lowest moment in this entire journey, right? He's fled the first order. Now he's tempted to flee the resistance, falls into this pit and he rises up and chooses to fight for good. Um, is this, is the scene that we got Luke? Cause I know the deleted scene was different, but was it in the, I can't remember in the final cut of the movie when she said, you'll always be scum. And he says, rebel scum. I think, I think it might've been in the, in the final cut. I, I think it just made more sense in the deleted scene based off of some other things, but I might be wrong about that. Uh, basically, Dr. Emerson, there's a there's a extended version of the fight scene between uh, Finn and Phasma that I personally prefer. 
Um, I don't, uh, but it's kind of been relegated to the point of I just have fond memories about it, and so I can't really explain a whole lot why I like it better, but um, it's worth checking out okay. uh, for you and for our audience uh, yeah. of, like, five people. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, I want to say again on this on this element of, like, the character development and failure that all of that leads to um, acts of surprise. So if you just, if you just think about the Mm -hmm. entire movie, right. Um, Ray fails to convince Luke the entire time of anything. Yeah. Chewie fails to get him back on the ship. Uh, Ben fails to convert Ray. Luke has already failed miserably related to his training of Ben. Finn and uh, Rose fail at Canto bite the rebels, uh, the resistance fail to get away from the first order. And you're left with this moment where the whole thing is done, you know? Yeah. And then they, then they actually make it to the surface and nobody answers. Right. So the whole thing is done. And you know, that first moment where, where it's total failure is that moment with Finn and then the Holdo maneuver and whatever you want to say about the physics of it. I mean, number one, who cares? (laughs) Yeah. This isn't yeah, a physics textbook. You know, you know, Star Wars has always been so accurate in physics. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Anyway, so that's the first thing. <laughs> so this is an act of surprise that's related to the self-sacrifice of an admirable admiral. Um, oh, nice. And then, and then, and then you go to the scene with Luke and fighting, fighting Ben, etc. And it's the same thing. This is a act of self-sacrifice on Luke's part, um, that's a, it's a surprise to everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, that, that theme of when you're at, when you're at your lowest, salvation comes by surprise. Right. I mean, it's pretty easy to segue from that to other things, um, right. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I just, I just think those are, those are beautiful themes and it's, you know, I understand that, on a first watch, you might get frustrated in seeing that play out because you go into the movie with certain expectations. And then one by one, Ryan Johnson just kind of knocks them over. Right. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. get to the end, yes. but then you get to the end and it's these acts of surprise that bring salvation. Right. Um, and, and they're, they're based on self-sacrifice. Th- those two acts of surprise, at least those two. So I just think I think there's a lot more going on in this movie than people give it credit for because it didn't meet their expectations. Oh, yeah. I think that's goofy. And especially I think part of that turnaround with the surprise and the, the hope at the end because this movie does end in some hope even despite nobody right. showing up. Right. Um, but that like Luke's speech there at the end uh, to Ben about how uh, amazing every word you just said was – completely wrong i also think there's a lot of there's a lot of really good times where the writing is fantastic in this movie yeah um but uh I, like with that and then like cutting to ray like her her connection to the force is is strong enough and she's uh saved the resistance of what's left of it and there this remnant is escaping um no it's i agree with you it's it's beautiful and it's it's uh, everything beautiful can be linked to something else, but yeah. Right, right, right. Well, and I guess I'll ask this question kind of jokingly, 
because you, I feel like you've already answered this question before. So you are not a, among the people who would say that Ray is a Mary Sue. Tell me what you mean by that. I don't know what that means. So, me basically meaning that she has no faults, that she's perfect, and that she is overpowering, and mm. like being so powerful enough to where she has no flaws. Right. So I guess going back to your comment about strong women. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think that actually J.J. Abrams draws some of that out in Return of. Skywalker Rise. or Rise of Skywalker, um, like especially when she blow she pulls down that ship, right? I mean, clearly that's a mistake. Yep. Now right. it doesn't have all the negative consequences she thinks, but clearly she didn't mean to do that, right? So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> no, I don't think that. I, I think that what makes Ray unique is. Again, and this is what I think this is what Ryan Johnson is trying to do with her character in this movie. Uh, what makes Ray unique is not that she's perfect, but that she's wise. Mm. Uh, ben and uh, Luke both have these polar opposite reactions to history that effectively have the same outcome. Um, that they they isolate themselves from everyone else. And, and Ben is, it does that in anger. Luke does that in bitterness. Mm. And, you know, you can, you can think about, and I don't really want to use this analogy, but I will. Um, you can think about in recent history in, in America, especially, but in the West, you think about the, 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 um, issue of cancel culture. And Mm. then what, what do we do with particular historical figures that did this or that? They, they made good contributions in this way, but here's this terrible thing also. What do you do with that? Well, Ben's reaction to that, which is, uh, I mean, I think this is fair to say, it, it's endemic to millennials as a generation. And I'm not speaking, I'm not trying to, you know, speak pejoratively about millennials, but I think there's a general approach to the past where if we find anything wrong, we're going to write it off. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of Ben's approach where he just wants to burn it all down let the past die, kill it if you have to. Right. Whereas Luke, on the other hand, you know, and this is a, a I think, again, I'm not speaking pejoratively of, of boomers, but you do have this um, approach to mistakes, to the past, where there's a reticence to own mistakes, and then mm-hmm. the, the tendency towards isolation um, instead of moving forward together. And, and both of those reactions, Ray sees them, and both of them attempt to persuade her to follow them in those reactions. Mm-hmm. But she can see what to take with her and what to leave behind. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's what wisdom is. Right. Uh, w- with respect to the past. So I don't think that Ray and, you know, some of the stuff she does in The Last Jedi is cool and whatever. But I don't I don't see her as being overpowered. Or even perfect, you know. She's she's trying to learn. Yeah, neither do I. Right. Yeah. She, you know, she she says she needs. She agrees, like she needs a teacher. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just mm-hmm. the people who want to teach her. Well, Ben wants to. Luke doesn't. She doesn't have one, right? So what does she do? She goes back to the source, the Jedi texts, right. yeah. which again, you know, we could easily connect to other things. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, man, that I so agree with that. And every whenever you talk about those things, I just keep, I just keep hearing in the back of my head like just those, um, those those haters of this film uh, saying just like, well, this is what we don't need in star Wars. We don't need it to get political or, or to bring in culture into it. It's an, it's an escape. It should be an escape from, from the real world. And the idea is no, that's, All right. that's, because, that's not the because, case. Because none of the rest of star Wars is political. <laughs> yeah. Clearly in the seventies yeah. and eighties, we weren't thinking about, you know, anything related to, to, to fasc- fascism yeah. or, you know, yeah. not at all. Yeah, oh and it, I mean, and it, it it goes over the head. It could go over your head. Uh, Nothing goes over my and, head. And that, too quick. Well, that's fair, Luke. Um, but I don't know. I I just those are the kind of comments that I'm just like, oh shoot. Like I guess again, it's it's just the idea of characters not doing what we want or stories not doing what we want, and just saying that's not it's not great. Right. Right. And I'm unwilling to be open to anything else, which is. A shame, but I think we we talk about Ray, we talk about Luke, we talk about Finn and all their character developments. I think Kylo for me was one in this movie that I just, especially watching it the first time in the theaters, when Kylo kills Snoke in the middle of the movie, I'm just like, what is going on right now? Like what, like. Is he is he a good guy now? And if he is a good guy now, who's like in charge of the like first order and stuff? Mm-hmm. And the reason why I thought that was because of something that I noticed when I was watching Return of the Jedi for the rewatch series is there's only one time one time when the Force theme, which is known m- more more as like the Jedi kind of theme, um the Force theme plays behind Darth Vader. And that's when he is um when he betrays the emperor and throws him down the shaft Mm -hmm. the force theme plays to kind of show that okay he is turning from the dark side back into the light they do the same thing here when kylo kills snoke and so in my mind i was just like oh man he's turning like this is the redemption of ben solo and again, I think it's a Ryan Johnson thing to where he's just going to say, you think I'm going to give you what you want or what you expect, and I'm just going to completely turn the corner and not right. do that. And, yeah, and- yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree in one sense, but, I, you know, I think – so I think it is a turning point. It is, I mean, yes. I, you know, I, I do think it's a turning point. I think we don't see the fruit of that turning point in The mm-hmm. Last Jedi, but I do think it's a turning point. I also think, again, going back to that theme of kind of descent prior to ascent, mm-hmm. right. um, Ben continues to descend. And even that even that act in that moment is more selfish than it is caring oh, yeah. about about Ray. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Right? But Just, it's all it's also a turning point towards the 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 light because he's saying no to the person who has led him into the dark side and oppressed him, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's yes. almost like what was meant for evil <laughs> can be turned to good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so I, I think it's both. I, yeah. I do think that, yes. it, it, you know, sort of after we know all the facts at the very end, we can look back on that scene and say, this was a turning point, even if at the time it was this kind of mm-hmm. continual descent into power hunger and all the rest of it. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. So I think the real subversion, like a lot of people would say that the kind of big subversive moment is that Kylo betrays Snoke. But I think really it's more likely it's the that he the the audience then expects him to team up with Ray, but then they yeah. both go back their separate ways and they both basically like become more extreme in the directions that they were already going. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah. um I some of what I thought of for this one, because I was trying to think of the place of this movie uh and Kylo's appearance uh in and the greater idea of the sequels. Mm. And so I think uh part of what's happening here is that uh so in The Force Awakens he, he wears the mask for most of the time and then uh he, he takes it off and doesn't put it back on in The Last Jedi because he believes Snoke because uh, Snoke just says you're just a child in a mask you're not mm-hmm. Vader you're you're just you're weak and so I, I think Kylo believes Snoke whenever he says that and so he, he smashes the mask kind of from a, a sense of unworthiness and so by the end of The Last Jedi whenever he betrays Snoke he then believes that he has become like Vader in fact, in some ways, even better than Vader because Vader never defeated the Emperor right. uh, until at the very end. Which, yeah, and to just basically just take his power away. It's not to have that power for himself. Right. And so uh, by nine, he, he puts back together that mask uh, in a new way. And mm. so I think it's less kind of the damage control that people have thought that uh, episode nine was. And I think it, mm-hmm. it makes more sense that it's it's this is a period where um, Kylo is insecure in his power. And so that's right. why he's not wearing the mask until yeah. after he defeats Snoke. Yeah, I mean, and again, you think if you think about The Last Jedi as descent, of course, there's going to be ascent in mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker, right? And I mm-hmm. like Rise of Skywalker is certainly my least favorite of the sequels and it's it's not up there in terms of my favorite Sky, uh, Star Wars movies but I will say that I think it's a lot more clean cleanly tied to the first two than people give credit for right now, again I'm mm. not I, I know we're not talking about that one now but I just I just think a lot of the themes that we've talked about are actually picked up in rise of Skywalker and and tied tied in um well, so yeah and i think that i think that needs to be said too because the the whole idea that people the perception people have of the last jedi is that it stands on its own and doesn't connect with the rest of the sequel movies and the fact is like even heading into episode nine the rise of skywalker people were basically saying how is jj abrams going to connect his movie with the last jedi and right the more that I watch it and the more that we watch it, I think the idea is just like, really, there wasn't a lot that needed to be done to connect it. It, I think it did yeah. very well in connecting to the force awakens. It, again, it's just that bigger, it's that bigger point of under, of, of saying that, listen, the last Jedi was intended not to give you what you wanted. No, it was, it was intended to, talk about some other things some and address some things even from a cultural pers- uh perspective yeah 
and I open even, up that I, conversation in yeah, that way. I mean, I even think like not giving us what we wanted wasn't just Ryan Johnson deciding not to do it. I think that, yeah, I mean, no, yeah. like if you come out and you say, okay, now here, here's, here's one thing I'd say <laughs> about Rise of Skywalker. I think that if they had put the opening sequence of Rise of Skywalker at the end of Last Jedi, mm-hmm. nobody would be complaining about literally anything. Right. Mm, yeah. But, whatever. Yeah. Um, they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, I think that if you go ahead and say through the whole movie, oh, Palpatine's the big bad, Ray is her, Ray is his granddaughter, you know, this sort of, spoiler alert, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just think like if you go ahead and say that stuff in Last Jedi, I mean, even with Empire Strikes Back, you know, you don't even get the whole, Luke, I'm your father or whatever until the very end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you, again, like if they tagged on EXO at the, at the end of last Jedi, maybe that would have alleviated some of this, but even, even that, like that's exactly what empire does. Empire doesn't answer mm-hmm. any questions about who Darth Vader is and Luke's relation and all this stuff until the very end of the movie. Obi-Wan's been lying to him the whole time. You know, we're not yeah. mad at him. So <laughs> anyway, I just think, yeah, I think people are just mad on the internet. Yeah. People like to be mad sometimes. Yeah. Except yeah. for on Twitter. On Twitter, everybody's very happy. Everyone's right. like, they're and, so friendly. And, yeah. Man, all too much love going on over there. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, yeah. One, one last point. I don't know how much more we're going to talk about, but uh, one thing that I did want to say was uh, for those people who think that Ryan Johnson doesn't care about the fans at all, um, I think the appearance of yoda and both in like his i guess manifestation and also in the way that he is that he looks is important against that idea because he could have gone with cgi like cgi would have been super easy to do but he purposefully chose to go with a puppet um in right. mm-hmm. kind of homage to um what is what a lot of people think is a better system and also to the original series. And I think it was like Frank Oz or something, or somebody said, uh, like, you better know what you're doing to Ryan. Like whenever they first saw the puppet. And, um, it's just like, he, he knows a lot more than he knows a lot more about the universe than I gave him credit for initially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And another example of Ryan Johnson being, completely devoted to making sure that he does things right according to us star wars fans which he has no reason to even do that anyway but one is the idea of force project projection mm-hmm. Pe- a lot of people came out and were saying like that's not a star wars thing like how do you like why would you do something like that and then ryan johnson tweeted a response to where he had the i think it was like the jedi path book which is now a legends book but it used to be kind of like had the jedi code and everything that the jedi did skills and all that and in that had force progr- uh, projections yeah. so basically saying i literally did my homework to make sure that this was something that i could do yeah. and yeah, to, no to, one gives to, him that credit yeah the quote uh Aslan, he basically says, don't recite the old magic to me, which I was there when it was written. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, The Last Jedi is good. That's what I have to say about it. Yeah. Is there a character? or So basically what we do with every episode is we say like our favorite character from this film and also our favorite scene. So 
what what would yeah. be yours oh man um favorite character is probably the porgs and <laughs> favorite favorite scene is i mean it's got to be ray and kylo fighting the guards yeah battling the, the praetorian yeah. Yeah. yeah it's pretty good uh, Luke, what about you? Yeah, I mean, the I was, second favorite is Luke milking. milking of scene. course, <laughs> yeah, I knew you, you were gonna say. I was, wondering, I was like, <laughs> I said if if Doctor Emerson didn't say it, Luke definitely was gonna say it. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> well, then I guess I'll be serious then. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you for that. We needed that. Uh, yeah. Um. So, favorite character, uh, definitely grumpy old man Luke. And then his redeemed state also. Uh, and then uh, favorite scene, apart from Ray and uh, Kylo battling the Praetorians, uh, probably just like the pretty much everything on Crate is pretty great. I, I love, especially whenever Luke shows up. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably say my favorite character was probably I still really I still really like Ray and I think her her character is, is better than people would give it credit for. Oh, yeah. And and I think it has it has nothing to do necessarily with anything in the movie. I just think it's who who she represents for this new generation of Star Wars fans. Like I heard a video of this guy kind of sharing his last Jedi experience and he wasn't a huge fan of the movie really didn't like it that much, but he said his favorite part while he was in the movie was when Luke is kind of giving his monologue to Kylo about saying the resistance is reborn today or uh, like the war is just beginning and I'm not the last Jedi. And then like when Ray like opens her eyes and she's like lifting up these rocks. There was a little girl in the audience and, and she said out loud, she is like the last Jedi. Um, Being that kind of character for young kids who are entering into this universe for the first time is huge. Uh, And I think especially those who really don't like this movie or don't like the sequels in general, just completely missed that a hundred percent. And so I think Ray was probably my favorite character. And I was going to say the Yoda and Luke scene was my favorite, but if I'm going to be honest, I was the, the, this past time rewatching it, I teared up with Luke and Leia having mm-hmm. their scene. Yeah. Um, especially after hearing Mark Hamill's interview of saying that he still can't watch that scene because that happened like right as Carrie Fisher kind of passed away. Um, and hit the moment to where he kissed her on the forehead, that wasn't written. That was something that he just kind of did spontaneously. Um, wow. Because of his genuine affection for Carrie. Uh, and so I watched it with that kind of framework in mind. It's a beautiful scene. It's perfect. And I love it. So. Let me let me uh, let me throw two things out there real fast. Number one, the final scene where that little kid pulls the broom. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Everybody freaked out and was like, "Oh, Ryan Johnson is like, it doesn't matter if you're Skywalker or whatever." That was a total <laughs> mis. That was a total misdirect again, yeah. right? Like you yeah. should expect it by the end at this point. Total misdirect. <laughs> I mean, clearly Ray and Ray is not a nobody. We know that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know. 
guess guess who's going to be training the next generation of Jedi? Well, if there's going to be a next generation of Jedi, there's got to be kids with force powers right now, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, so uh, the other thing I'd say is the, the whole thing about the Palpatine storyline and Rise of Skywalker, again, I just uh, – because, you know, I know we're not talking about that today, but I'm not on the Rise of Skywalker podcast, so I want to <laughs> say this out loud in public. Um, like, of course Palpatine came back. Yeah. I mean, when he turned Anakin, it was because he, he basically said, hey, guess what? I know how to cheat death. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we see him fall down a hole and we're like, oh, he must be dead. No, of course he's not dead. Come on, people. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay, I'm done. <laughs> That's a uh, beautiful way to tie that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So good job, David, on the poignancy stuff. But I just want to be like all the online trolls, y'all are down. <laughs> well, that's hey, what we hey. do on this podcast, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally, our last podcast episode, we we're just talking about. Listen, if you don't like the sequels, that really still doesn't give you the license to just be like, oh, it did. It does. It doesn't it exist. Happen. It's not yeah. real. Right. It's, it's not Star Wars. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Dr. Emerson, Dr. Matthew Yates Emerson, uh, the first, uh, <laughs> thank you so the much. The first for, of three. Yeah. The first of three. Yep. 10 rings. Um, field goal. Two. Yeah. Two index you, fingers. Uh, this is going to be absolutely nothing to <laughs> people who listen, but, <laughs> uh, Dr. Emerson was making hand gestures. And so that's what I was responding to. Appropriate hand gestures. Yeah, right. I think that yeah, needs no. to be. That it's needs to be said. Clear. We don't want him to get We're fired not or anybody. anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think I speak for both David and myself whenever we say it was an absolute joy having you on the podcast. Um, I think this has instantly become my favorite, and it hasn't even been edited yet. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Um, really enjoyed having you on. Yeah, it was fun. Luke, I expect next time we talk for you to have memorized the Greek New Testament. So <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> yeah, and there's no expectation for me. So that's, <laughs> a, that's a great thing. None. <laughs> <laughs> well, like like Luke said, we really appreciate you being on and talking with The Last Jedi with us. It's Again, it's one of those refreshing things to where we can talk even about the sequels and be able to talk about it in a positive light. Yeah. So. Yep, absolutely. So, for Luke, this is David Gonzalez on the Star Wars Historian Show on the Gazebo Effect Network. And until we come back with the Rise of Skywalker review, may the Force be with you.